get to the kids, bully them between classes. Uh, I know what it is to look for help, and everybody just passes. Yeah. And we amen, the future amen. don't give up. My life is in his hands. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Make yourselves comfortable. Sit. Relax. There's a, a sweet, there's a sweet presence of God in this place. Amen. Let's just kind of rest in it for a minute. Don't fall asleep, but let's just rest in it. Let everybody get settled down. Amen. Father, we just thank you right now for your presence in this place, Lord God. Spirit of God, move. Spirit of God, move in this place. Spirit of God, have your way. Spirit of God, move in us and through us. Have your way, God. Get the, the speaker and the listener out of the way, Lord God, so that you can have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, anybody excited this morning? Come on. We've been talking about being what? Courageous. Amen. We've been, this is week three, a courageous part three. And, and we've just been talking about the story of God's people going, you know, from through the Old Testament. It's such a rich story about the deliverance and formation of God's people. There's so much in that story that we can learn. And, and I believe it's in there. But we know that it's in there, amen, for, for a reason. Because, see, stories, I, I love stories. Everybody you meet has a story. Right? Come on, some of you have some real stories. The reason, the reason that people are who they are, the reason that people do what they do, there's, there's a story behind it, amen? And, and God saw it that these particular stories would be recorded so that you and I could learn something, so that we can grow from it, so that they can have an impact in us, Amen? See, these stories help us to see God better. They help us to see each other better. They help us to see better, period. The other day I was cleaning my glasses. As those of you that wear glasses, you know, you, you, there's always a smudge or some junk getting on it, right? Anybody? And so you always, you always got to, you know, pull one. I put one of these out all the time, you know, and just clean them. Because, you know, the other day I was, I was struggling. There were some smudges and some scratches. And I was trying to read something. And you know when you try to read something and you, instead of focusing on what you want to focus on, you're focusing on the smudges and the scratches that are on your glass. Anybody? And, and th- th- there's, there's something that, that, you know, when the light hits the scratches and the smudges. Oh, come on. You know I'm preaching already? When the light hits the scratches and the smudges, it makes you focus on the smudges instead of focusing on what you're trying to focus on. Amen? See, the stories that we've been through, they, everything that we've experienced, both good and bad, those, those experiences become the lenses that we see things through, don't they? You, you following me? See, when some of you, some of you look at this church and you're looking at it through the lenses of your old church. Can we just go in right from the start? So about that. Some of you are looking at me and you look at me through the lenses of your old pastor. I've had fights with people then I realized they weren't really fighting with me. Anybody awake? See, because the experiences that we had, they left smudges on your lenses. They left your lenses cloudy. And, and sometimes when the light hits your lens, it's hard to focus on, on what's happening. And I believe today the, the light is going to hit your lenses. Amen? Come on, anybody? I believe the light is going to hit the lenses today and it's going to force you to, to, to refocus. It's going to do some cleaning this morning. I, get, I got a, a, a postcard the other day from Lens Crafters. <laughs> True story. True story. 
I, I bought these glasses probably about two years ago, and I got a message, a postcard from Lens Crafters, and it said, Mr. Martinez, it's about that time that you check your lenses. <laughs> Woo. The post, little postcard just said, you, you, it might be a good time to check your lenses. It's about that time. Amen? I, I, I thought you guys wanted meat. You, you, everybody's still looking for the nipples. Come on. Let's, let's go in. Amen? All right, so let's recap. At this point, God's people, Israel, they've seen the hand of God on their lives, man. They've seen God's protection. They've seen God's provision. God has delivered them from slavery, delivered them from bondage, from injustice. And, and the awesome thing about it, man, and, and as we read and learn more about it, God delivers them with the promise of his presence. Right? He says, go, I have a place prepared for you, and everywhere you go, I'm going to be with you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be afraid. Be strong and courageous because I go before you. Isn't that an awesome promise? Anybody receive that promise today? Receive that promise. God said, I go before you. But there's something, so, so God delivers them with promise of his presence and with the promise of a new land. But let me, let me tell you something about the promises of God because it's all throughout the word. It, it, it's the, the theme behind everything that we read. There's, there's, there's a promise underlying almost anything that we read in the word. So let me tell you something about promises. See, God keeps his promises, amen? Three or four of us could testify, Amen. God keeps His promises. Listen, sometimes God will keep His promises that He made to a man. He'll keep it through His son, through His daughter, right? But God will keep His promises because let me tell you something about promises. God gives us promises, but we have to walk in those promises. See, promises don't unfold themselves. Tell somebody, that's what I heavy. <laughs> Promises don't unfold themselves. Listen, it might be your son. It might be your son's son. It might be your daughter's 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 son. But God is not a liar. He's going to keep his promises if it's to the fourth or to the fifth or to the sixth generation. Amen? That might sound like good preaching, but I don't want you to miss the point. I don't want my kids to walk in my promises. I want my kids to walk in the blessing because I walked in my promises. Okay? Come on, come on, come on. Focus or better. This is for mature audiences only. I, I don't want, we can say, you know, well, amen, God is good, and so if I don't do it, my kids will do it, my, because God is faithful. No, 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 no. God made a promise for you. You're making it difficult for your kids. You're making it difficult for the next generation. You're making it difficult for the generation of the generation of the generation. If you, if we would walk in the promises God has for us, then our generations could walk in blessing. Because we walked in the promise. It's not a good thing that God has to keep his promises because he's not a liar. It's a bad, we need to, come, come on. Whoa. Whoa. So, all right. So as we go through this story, you might have seen a, 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 a habit that's happening here throughout the story with God's people. It still happens today. Every time they come across a hard situation like that, they murmured and complained. Anybody know any murmurers and complainers? Any whiners in the camp? Right? Every time. I hate, can I tell you something? I hate that word murmur. Murmur. I, I think it makes you look ugly to even say it. You know, murmur. That's why you never say it. Take a picture. All right. Say murmur. It's an ugly word. I know what it means, but I looked it up. Murmur means it's a whisper. Murmur is talking with an undertone. Murmur is an underlying gripe. When people murmur, they speak under their breath. 
You guys have all heard it. When you're around people that like to gossip a lot. <laughs> they, when, when people that love to talk about other people. It's always in this tone. You ever noticed? People like to murmur. They usually talk about other people. And you, you know why you don't move your lips when you murmur? Because when you're confronted about what you said, because, you know, eventually that murmur will get around. You murmur to enough people, and that starts coming back around. When that comes back to you and the person confronts you and says, were you talking about me? Did you really say that about me? The person wants to be able to say, I never said nothing. I murmured it. I'm, I might have said it under my breath. See, murmur is coward talk. People murmur what they wouldn't say to someone face to face. Now, understand, these people had the opportunity to call out to God. They had the opportunity to speak to God, to hear from God. They were in His presence. God gave them the promise, I'll be with you. I go before you. Everywhere you go, I'm there. I'm the cloud overhead by day. I'm the fire there by night. I'm with you everywhere. So they had the opportunity to talk to God. They could have said, God, I'm thirsty. God, I'm hungry. God, I'm lonely. God, I need something. But instead, instead Instead of going to God, instead of going to the presence, it was a murmur. Well, I don't know why God had to bring me all the way out here to kill me with, out of, out of, you know, so I could dehydrate. I don't know why God brought me all. At least when I was a slave, I used to have fish. At least when I was a slave, I had vegetables. They, 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 they murmured that. That's in the word. At least I used to have some vegetables. Yeah, I used to work 22 hours a day, but at least in those two hours, I used to eat. And, and it was a murmur. It was a, a coward talk. Amen. Every time they, they wanted something, they murmured. L listen, I didn't tell you last week, but that fancy chicken that they got, remember? They prayed, they murmured, and they said, oh man, I wish we had meat. And, and it, it, the word says that, they, that all the heads of the tents, they, went, they stood on the, on the, at the front of the tents and cried. Oh, I wish we had meat. Oh, crying. Can you imagine? These are grown men leading, and they're sitting out crying in front of the tents. That, that's manipulation, amen? That's manipulation. You know when you cry in front of somebody all the time? Oh, I wish I had some money, man. No, I never had no money. Man, it'd be nice to have a sandwich right about now. Man, I, I remember the last time I had a sandwich. I can't even remember that. You know when people, they're están llorando, llorando all over there, it's because they want you, right? That's manipulation, right? So, so that's what these people were doing. I didn't tell you, you know. And so God had the, the quail and they committed mass suicide and died in front of them and God provided chicken for everybody, right? I didn't tell you what happened with that later. Um, there's more to that story. Anybody know? See, they, 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 what you get by murmuring and complaining will never satisfy you. I'm not talking to anybody. What you get by murmuring and complaining eventually might even end up hurting you. As it was in this story. Parents, have you ever given your kids something, not because they earned it, not because they deserve it, not because you wanted to give it to them, but because they just wouldn't shut up? Yeah? Just whatever. You want the iPad here? Whatever. Right? What you get by murmuring and complaining, you never get it for the right reasons. You never get it from the right heart. You never get it, you never get it because you earned it. You never appreciate it because you got it by murmuring and complaining. So here's what happened in the Word. God gave him the meat. He said, I'm going to give you meat, not just for one day, not just for one week, but the Word said, for a mile this way and a mile this way, the dead ducks were all over the place. So it took him days to, to pick up all of these ducks. And, and so they had fancy chicken. Now, for over a month, God gave them a supply. For over a month, they had. Somebody said, that's a lot of meat. But look what it says. Look, look what came with it. In Psalm 106, it gives us a little insight. Psalm 106, 7, it says, When our fathers were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles, God. They didn't remember your many kindnesses, and they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. And yet, he saved them for his name's sake to make his, his mighty power known. Verse 13, But they soon forgot 
what he had done. And they didn't wait for his counsel. And in the desert, they gave in to their craving. That was, they, it said that they were craving. It's like murder burgers, right? Like White Castle, what you crave? It says that they had a craving. And, and that's what made them murmur and complain. And so it says here, they gave in to their craving. And in the wasteland, they put God to the test. And so he gave them what they asked for, but he sent a wasting disease among them. That doesn't sound very nice, right? God gave them what they wanted, but he also gave them a plague, a wasting disease, so that what they crave would never satisfy. So those were truly murder burgers that they had at that time because they ate it, and it says while they were still chewing, God started to wipe them out. They were dying, amen? And God started killing them off at that time. And they called that place Kibroth Hatava, which means graves of lust. So they marked that place. The Israelites love to mark places like, oh, this is the place where God spanked us. This is the place where, where God delivered us. This is the place where this guy died. They marked this place. This is the grave of our lust. This is where our lust killed a lot of people. Because we craved and, and, and we complained. See, what you get by murmuring and complaining will never satisfy. And most likely will come back to bite you in the aspirations that you had when... See, the underlying theme of all of these chapters in, in, in Numbers and in Exodus, the underlying theme of the story of God's people, it was their unwillingness and their inability... To accept inconvenience and hardship. And to manifest an attitude of happiness in the service of God. So many of us are like that today, amen? We want the blessings. And we pray, we want God's blessings. God, man, I want you to be like a genie. I want to rub a lamp. I want to call out to you. And I want to see it in front of me. Praise God. We, we hear preaching like that, right? Name it and claim it. Mark it and park it, baby. I want Alexis sitting right there with the third row. Santo. We want, but, but we don't want, see, we want the anointing, but, we, but without the sacrifice. We want the power of God without humility. We want authority without servanthood. I mean, you know, God will never put you in a position of authority until you've been a good servant. Because God says, I need to trust you with this. The Word says to appoint deacons and, and elders and people in authority. It says, but don't appoint them too soon. Because they'll get puffed up right away. And you, you make somebody a deacon right away, and all of a sudden they're running the church. Listen, I know what the pastor says, but I'm the head deacon here, all right? All right? So listen to me right now, what I'm trying to tell you, all right? If this is how you, right, it get, they get puffed up. And so, so God says, no, let them, they need to sit. People need to learn how to serve before they can lead. Amen? People need to know how to follow before they have people following. We want anointing. We got to, it comes with the sacrifice. See, you can't get from Egypt to the promised land without going through the desert. That should be amen. Go home. You can't get to the promise. You can't get to where God wants you from where you were. You can't get there without going through the desert. In the desert, you grow. In the desert, you learn survival techniques. Too often, and I'm guilty, we whine and complain and we weep about what we don't have and we're not grateful for what we do have. You can't be courageous until you develop an attitude of gratitude. You want to pray courageous prayers? Pray prayers of thanksgiving. Imagine, imagine if we fasted this week I know some of you just turned me off. If I didn't hear it, I don't have to do it. Imagine if we fasted this week saying, God, uh, not food. If we fasted praying prayers asking God for something. And we said, this whole week, all of my prayers are going to be Thanksgiving. You, what? You don't think you grow? Imagine, you don't think that'll change your, your whole perspective? It'll change. That means, that means you get out, you're running late for work, you get to the car, and it won't turn on. 
After you curse, then you want to, you know, pray to God to start the car. That's the normal thing, right? After the flesh comes out, then God, how about, how about sitting in the dead car saying, God, thank you for stopping me from getting into whatever I was going to get into today. Thank you for pausing the day for me right now so that I can stop and think about you. So that I can stop and thank you for a moment. Guarantee either the car will start later or, or a blessing will come from the dead car. Amen? I've had blessings come from flat tires. Because you say, God, and, and, and I'm, not, I'm not boasting. This took me a lot of years and still a lot of time the flesh will hit first. But, and, and that's okay because we're human. Amen? I got into a car accident, the snowstorm, because, you know, it snows two inches and, and people don't know how to drive all of a sudden. Two inches is on the floor. I'm standing at a light. I get hit like the guy's doing 80. I, I don't understand. My whole bump is gone. I hit the car in front of me. It's all dented in. It's two inches of snow on the floor. I don't understand how people learn, forgot how to drive all of a sudden, right? But, but your first reaction is you get out and you want to, you know, strangle the guy and punch. And, and so I got out and I just, I just put my hands out. I didn't even say nothing. I was like. <laughs> because it wasn't so much that, because, you know, you had those things where you can't stop and you're going, oh, oh, no, 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 no. And you're like, I'm sorry, bro. I'm so sorry. And that's fine. I've had those happen to me. I've, I've you know, but, and that's fine. But that wasn't like that. I was stopped and it was like, bam. Bam! I mean, it was like, so I, all I could do was get out and go, like, like, bro, what were you, what were you doing? Like, really? Like 80? You must have been doing I, I don't get it, you know? And, and I went like that, and his wife got out and started screaming and yelling, and so then my wife wanted to get out and punch it. No. But, 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 you know, you know how it is, right? We could get, we could get, right? But quickly, quickly, we just, the guy was a real nice guy. He felt bad. It's all right, we'll sit here in the freezing cold, in the rain, in the snow, and wait an hour for cops to come, take every police report. That's great, you know? And, and, but you have to take those moments and say, God, what you stopped me from? What happened here, you know? Would this, would this you know, Mario Andretti here, would he have killed three children on the other block? And instead he hit my car? And my car could get fixed? But those kids could have been killed? Right? Or instead, right, you have to think about those things. And, and, and I know sometimes, you know, it, it's, it's difficult, but we have to say, God, you know, we have to learn how to. Anyway, let's, let's come on. Let's go on with the message. What are you doing? So here we are, right? Here we are in the, the, the people have come through all of this, and now they're in the vicinity. This is where we left off like six weeks ago, right? We're in the vicinity of the promised land. They've gone through all of this stuff. They've, they've endured. They've been, it's been amazing. It's been hard. It's been difficult. But here they are in the vicinity of the promised land. And what do they do? What do you think they did? What would you do? You were right in front of your promise. Your promise is right ahead of you. All you needed to do is open the door and go into your party. What did they do? Instead of just going in, they wanted to check it out. They wanted to test it. It wasn't enough that God said, I'm, I'm the God, the God that delivered you through the water, the God that fed you from this, the God that, that let you drink from a rock, the God, that, the God that caused mass quails to suicide in front of you so you can eat. The, that same God, it wasn't enough that he said, that land that I'm telling you, that I'm taking you to is good. That land that I'm sending you to is, is abundant, is spacious. It has um, food and, and stuff that you've never seen of. That land is good. They got to the land and they said, let's, let's not just go right into that land. Let's, let's test it. Let's test God. And so what they do, they send 12 scouts up ahead to check out the land. They wanted to see if the land was safe, if the land did have the space that God said it had. They wanted to see if it was full of provision like God said it was. They wanted to test God. They wanted to check it out first. Word of advice from my experience, if God tells you it's going to be there, stand on it like it's already there. If God tells you Sit on it like you see it. Amen? Because God is good. Because God is good. So, so listen, it's, if you're reading numbers, it sounds like God tells them to do this. But if you look in Deuteronomy, you'll see that God is telling them how to do what they wanted to do. They wanted to test God. And so God was going to use this to test them. Anybody ever been scared to do what you knew God was telling you to do? <laughs> 
You know that God wants you somewhere, God's made it evident to you, but you still want to test it out. You still want to check it out. Right? You still want a third and fourth and fifth opinion. Anybody? Any one of those? Any, any one of you still waiting for that ministry that God told you to start 10 years ago? But you figure, well, that just wasn't the right time. That wasn't the right place. That wasn't the right season. That wasn't, and you're still waiting, and God told you this six churches ago, and you're still not even involved yet, right? You're, you're, you're ready to join the elder ministry already, but, but you, you didn't start the children's ministry God told you to, right? Listen, it's good to get counsel. Proverbs says there's wisdom in getting counsel. But when you're going from person to person to person to person to person, you're probably not looking for counsel. You're just looking for someone to agree with you. Come on, I'm not talking to nobody. You, you could be married, you know, 20 years, and, and, and you have this thing, man, I'm going to leave my husband. My husband is this, my husband is You think I should leave my husband? And, and the first counsel you go to is usually biblical counsel, right? You go to, to, and they tell you, man, I think you need to work at that. I think you need to change some things in you. I th- oh, you get out of here. And so you go to the next, you go to less, you know. I mean, let me go to people, maybe not, the, not that guy or not, not the head of the marriage ministry. Let me go to the guy that's in charge of mopping the floors, you know. Um, hey, you think uh, I, should, I, think I should probably leave, leave my husband, right? That dude's a bum, right? And he has God, the Spirit of God in him, and he tells you, no, man, I think you should really work at it. I think it's your attitude that sucks. I think you need to kind of work on something. And you're like, what? And so you keep going further and further and further down until you're just asking co-workers at work. No Spirit of God in them, no discernment, no judgment, no nothing. You're asking guys at work, you know, should, should, I, leave? should I leave my husband? He's a bum. And the guy at work says, yeah, baby, you should drop that dude. You should get with this. See, you're not looking for counsel. You're looking for someone to tell you what you want to do already. Amen? Come on. So, so these men of God, all right, they're, they're right there at the destination of fear, but, but fear and doubt stops them. And so they decide to send in 12 scouts. And, and those 12 scouts, they go into the land for 40 days. Somebody say 40 days. That's a long time. Amen? Can you imagine 40 days? You, 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 could, you could see if something's good or bad in a day or two, amen? Like, if, if you want to buy a house and you look at the neighborhood, you go there during the day, you go there during the night. You go there on the weekend, maybe three times, right? Because you want to see what pops off on the weekend in that area. You want to see what's happening during the day. And you want to see what kind of, you know, riffraff comes out at night over there. What kind of freaks come out at the nighttime. And so... so you, I'm saying three, four days tops, you know, if you had to really check it out. Forty days they were in this land. And, and you know, as spies, they were living in it. They, were, they probably got jobs at the local bodega. And they, they wanted to get in there. Forty days. It says that they even brought back uh, a bunch of grapes. And the grapes were so big in the promised land that they had to put the, the grapes on a pole and have two guys carry them. Say, that's some big grapes. Listen, God has some abundant fruit for you. God has stuff. God has abundance for you that you haven't, you can't even, how do you even start to eat a grape that big? Amen? But that's the problems that God wants you to start to deal with. How am I going to, is it a knife and fork type of grape? How am I going to eat this thing? It's so big. But God has something so good and so big and so rich and so abundant for me. But what happens? They bring it back to show the people. Say, look, man, look at the size of these grapes. Ten of these guys, they come back and they say, look at these grapes. They're amazing. There's three guys biting on one grape because the thing is so big. You know, I'm just picturing, right? I know that was a little queer, but anyway. They, 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 you know, they're, they're gathered around and then, but quickly, what else do they say? Ten of them say, yeah, but if the grapes are that big, imagine the giants that live in that land. Imagine the guys that eat these grapes. Those are some big dudes. We saw some, it was straight up hood in the promised land. There was guns and crips and gangs and it was horrible. And, and they give this report that the promised land was crazy, that there's, that there's big people. And, and, and quickly they spread this bad report. They said, the promise, we can't go in there, we get killed. And they spread this bad report and immediately the word says the people are scared. They're defeated without crying, without trying. And what do they do? They cry and refuse to move on. 
You ever been so discouraged that you just cry and refuse to move on? Anybody ever been there? You just cry, man. You say, I can't even go. I'm just crying. Because you're so discouraged. You're so defeated already before you even started sometimes. And so they, they refuse to move on. And, and God, this, this, you think God, this stirs up God's compassion? No. God already told him, this land is yours. God already told him, I'm going to be with you wherever you go. So God is like, so about that, yeah, why are you crying? I've already shown you my power. I've shown you what I can do. I've shown you. Come on, I brought water out of a rock for you, man. Who, who, who you have to be afraid of? And so God tells his people, listen, because you displayed this lack of faith after I've brought you this far, None of you guys are going into the promised land. None of you are going to step into the promise. As a matter of fact, you're going to wander in the desert for 40 years. One year for every day you spent doubting me. That's heavy, right? He's talking to the older generation, the leaders, those that were leading, right? And he says, all of you, the entire adult male population, except for the other two spies, Caleb and Joshua, and and the Levites who didn't listen to the spies, you're going to wander and wander until those guys die. And then the rest of you will enter. See, your next generation will enter into the promise because you refuse to walk in it. It's the same today, amen? Sometimes the fear of what could happen if we do something is the very thing that we end up with it. Listen, sometimes we get scared to do things. We get scared to take a risk. You know what's all right? Do it afraid. It's all right. Do it afraid. We say, well, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. Okay, self-righteous man, you know, you do it your way. But if I need to do it and I'm scared, I'm going to do it afraid. Why? Because God told me to do it. And, and in me, I might still be scared. In me, I might, you know, be afraid. But, but if I, I'm going to do it afraid, amen? Because be, sometimes exactly what you're afraid of is, is, is what happens anyway. You're scared you won't be able to do something. Because you were scared, you ended up not being able to do it. You're, you're scared that if you try, you might fail. But because you didn't try, you already failed. You're scared if you really tried at your marriage, it might fall apart anyway. But because you didn't really try, it fell apart. You're scared that this Christian walk is too difficult. I'm not ready to keep it perfectly. But, but because you think it's up to you to be perfect, you're already disqualified. And you'll never walk in the grace and favor of God. They said, listen, if we go into the promised land with these giants, we're all going to die. Well, guess what? You're all going to die anyway now. Because you didn't trust in me, because you didn't trust God, you're going to die anyway. You're going to spend your time in the desert roaming one year for every day you spent not trusting me. Two of the scouts, two out of the ten said, let's bring back a different report. Two of the ten said, Caleb said, let's do this. Caleb said, yeah, there's giants, but we got this. Joshua, he says later on, and, and Joshua, you read, and he does it. He said, man, God said, be strong and courageous. God said, don't be afraid. God said, go on and he's going to be with me. And so he, what makes the difference? You can have 12 people look at the same thing. You can have 12 people have the same experience. 12 people see the same giants and see the same fruits. 10 of them can agree, making it the majority. 10 of them can say, we can't do this. Listen, family, in any situation God brings you through, you can focus on the problem or you can focus on the promise. Because of that wicked report, the people didn't go in, the people wandered. And if you read through the Word, we find there's very little record of what happened during those years. Because those years accomplished nothing. There's very little written about it, except the death of the uh, death of a generation of unbelief. There were just years of surviving. And during those 38 years, there was much movement, but no progress. Our walk with God can be the same way. Church, I believe this cycle repeats itself over and over again through, throughout generations. Sometimes the old mindset has to die. Listen, nobody get offended, but you have to hear this. Many of us have come out from under some murmuring spiritual fathers. 
Many of us have had some bad experiences with the older generation of leadership. And I believe as the younger generation uh, that we've, we've been under the leadership of those that get everything from God through control and manipulation. The leaders weeping at the entrance, that was manipulation. Many of us are here today because we've come out from under that kind of situation. Anybody? And the sad thing is we've been running around for years making a lot of movement but not seeing any progress. I want to tell you today your postcard came in from Lens Crafters. And it says, Mr. Uh, Mrs. Uh, Mr. Young Person and Mr. Single Person, I think it's time to check your lenses. I think it's time you get a new pair of lenses. I think it's time you, you get rid of those with the old smudges and the old scratches and, and that when the light hits you, you only focus on those things and, and you only see, you see the new pastor like the old pastor, you see the new church like the old church, you see the new deacon like the old deacon and you think everybody's the same and you, because you're looking at everybody with these lenses. Listen, it's time to take those lenses. I don't throw them because they're expensive, but you understand. It's time to get rid of the old lenses, amen? It's time for, for, for the ways of that old leadership to die out. And so right here in Numbers 20, we pick up the text 38 years later. 38 years, they're wandering around doing nothing, but not entering into the promised land, just dying. Every day there's a funeral. 38 years, every year there's a funeral. Somebody's dying. They're going to funerals every week, every week, 38 years, no, a lot of movement, no progress. Now, here we are, Numbers 20, near the end of the 40 years of wandering, and they find themselves, as they did a number of times before, without water. Pay attention, look, I'm closing. Lean in, I'm lying, but, but lean in. And, and, and of course, as they did a number of times before, they have no water, they're getting thirsty, and what do they do? Complain. And murmur. This is the younger generation now, and they're falling into the same patterns as the previous generation. Daddies, family, can I talk to you for a minute? Your kids will perfect your sins. They, your kids will copy you. They will become you. Your attitude toward the church, your kid will be worse about it. Your attitude toward the pastor, it's best that you leave that church and find the pastor that you like because your attitude toward the pastor, your kid is going to have and he's going to have it worse. You know how when you tell the story the second time around it gets worse? Right? And so you, you say, well, I don't like that pastor because he seems to like be all about the money a little bit. When the kid tells the story, that pastor robbed money from my parents. When the kid's kid tells the story, that pastor's a lie. He, I think he did like 20 years as a thief. It gets bigger. You, you understand? And, then, and your, your kids will perfect that and they'll reflect that pattern, that attitude that you give them. Amen? Your attitude towards worship, your attitude towards God, your attitude of gratitude or lack of it, it gets replicated and becomes even worse in your children. This younger generation, they were becoming just as cold as their fathers. They were complaining and murmuring. They said, I wish we had died like our brothers. I wish we died like the rest of them. I wish we never left you know, Egypt. At least I used to play with things back there. At least, you know, I wasn't in the desert. I didn't have sand all up in my face all the time. At least, you know, they were complaining and murmuring already. And, and they said, we, we, you know, and God tells, it's amazing because they're thirsty and they want water and God still has compassion on them. Listen to what happens. God has compassion. He tells Moses, Moses, take your rod, but this time speak to the rock and water is going to flow from it. Pay attention. Remember the first time God told him, take your rod and strike the rock. And water will flow from the rock. This time he says, take the rod. That's the authority. That means you're walking in authority. When you're walking with the rod, the staff of God, that's your authority. He says, don't go without your authority. Walk in your authority. But this time, don't strike the rock. Speak to it. God says, look, I'm going to start to teach you something. The rod is the authority. But now, now you can walk in that authority where your words have power. Church, listen, words under authority have power to release blessings. Words under authority have power to release abundance. There's power in your words, amen? But what does Moses do if you know the story? Moses goes out there, and this time, Moses does more than God told him what to do. Moses is frustrated. Moses is tired. Moses is angry. Anybody ever been there? 
You ever try to help somebody so much and they still keep doing the same stupid things? And you're like, come on, man. And, and you're frustrated. You're helping them and you want to help them and you want to help them. You bail them out. You help them. Any other way you can help them, but they keep doing the same things again and again. Moses is frustrated at this point. What does he do? Moses, Moses and Aaron, they gather the assembly together before the rock like God told them to do. God said, bring everybody in front of the rock. Here's the rock. Right? And God says, bring everybody gathered in front of the rock and then speak. But Moses gathers everybody in front of the rock. He gets them all around there and then he says to them, Hear now, you rebellious rebels. You rebel rousing, good for nothing, malagradecidos. Shall we bring water out of this rock? There's some big mistakes here. First of all, Moses makes himself equal with God. He says, how we bring water. Moses, you can't bring water out of a faucet. Right? God brings the water out of the rock. So, but, but, but he gets, you know, he's, he's speaking out of frustration now. He's hurt. Shall we? So he makes himself equal with God. And then Moses does something else God never told him to do. Moses decides it's lecture time. You good for nothing? How many times do me and God got to bail you out of this situation? How many times does God have to show you that he's real with you? And, and so Moses speaks to the hard-headed. And God says, I didn't tell Moses to speak to those hard-headed, stubborn people. We're, we're fed up. He tells them, we're fed up. You know, he tells them, speak to the rock. Church, when we're angry with people, don't speak to people. Speak to the rock. When you're discouraged with somebody, don't speak to the person. Speak to the rock. God said, don't speak to the people. I didn't tell you to speak to the people. Speak to the rock. When you're disappointed, speak to the rock. God said, refreshing will flow from the rock. My provision will flow from the rock. Complainers go to people. The courageous go to the rock. Church, sometimes God wants to show grace to somebody and we feel it's our role to do the lecture part. I, I get in trouble for this all the time. God wants to show grace to someone and we feel, all right, I'll give, all right, God, I got your grace right here. But I ain't going to let it go easy. I don't want these people to think that they could just do, listen, I don't care what you want people to think. God said, give them grace. God says, show them grace. How many are grateful that they receive grace without a lecture? It's sad, not a lot of people because you didn't receive grace without a lecture. You got it with a lecture. God is offering grace. We think we got to give him a little more than that. In the lecture, Moses lost himself. Church, I see this, I see this in church all the time. In the lecture... In the, I told you so, in the, you seen vergüenza, how many times is God going to, you know, in that, Moses lost himself. And, and what does it say he did in verse 11? It says that Moses lifted up his hand and he struck the rock with his staff twice. He struck it twice. And water came out abundantly. Isn't it awesome that God is still faithful? Isn't it awesome that even though he's a moron, God is still faithful? Isn't it awesome that sometimes we're morons and God is still faithful? Isn't it great that God will still use imperfect people? Otherwise, there'd be nobody up here speaking to you. You'd just be gathered here watching lights. God still uses imperfect people, amen? But then God doesn't let things go either. Verse 12, he said, And the Lord then said to Moses and Aaron, Because you didn't believe in me, to uphold me as holy in the eyes of these people. Therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I've given them. So after everything that Moses has done, he's disqualified from entering the promised land. Because he lost it one time. Some of you could say that's unfair. But listen, when you stand in between God and his grace for someone, you're putting yourself in a dangerous place. I hope if you've Forget anything else you get today. I hope that you can remember this. When you put yourself in between God and His grace for someone, you're putting yourself... Uh, a commentator wrote, Guzik writes, there are a hundred explanations for what Moses, for his frustration, but not a single excuse. 
See, we, keep, we see a couple of things here. It teaches us God's love for, for his people is so great that he'll even use the imperfect people. Amen? But let's look at the picture real, real quick in closing. Worship team, you guys can come. The New Testament makes it clear that this water-providing rock, get, get the imagery for a minute because this is so important. This water-providing rock was a picture of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 10.4. Jesus being struck once provided all life for everyone that would drink. When he was struck once before, right? God told Moses, strike the rock once. When he was struck once, he provided he would for anyone, anyone in life that would want to drink of him. That's John 7, 37. But for Jesus to be struck again was unnecessary. <coughs> because the Son of God needed only to suffer once, Hebrews 10, 10 says. Because Jesus was already struck once, we can now come to him with words of faith. Romans 10, 8. Moses needed only to walk in his authority and come with words of faith. The word says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus died and was raised, that, that he's the son of God, that then we would be saved. Not, there, was a, there wasn't a further sacrifice needed. The sacrifice was already done. Because he was already struck once, church, we have to allow that old mindset to die. I feel like we're in year 39, month 11. And the older generation with the hard hearts and the murmuring ways, they're dying out. I believe there's a new life coming into not just this church, but into churches. There's a new life coming into churches. And those old ways, the, they, they, they're dying out, amen? Some of us have been hurt by them. Many of us have been damaged. We can sit around and compare scars and get ourselves angry and depressed and get ourselves so cold that we become just like them. Or we can follow Joshua and Caleb and press into the promised land. Family, it's time to be strong and courageous. We have some promises to walk in. Next couple of weeks, we're going to start a series on God's promises. And here's something I want you to do with me. I want you to start a reading plan with me tomorrow. Ha, pastor's giving homework. It's a 21-day reading plan. And I'd like you to start it with me tomorrow. It'll be on our website. We'll be talking about God's promises and, 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 and reading those, those things together for the next couple of weeks. Because the challenge today is to, to discern, learn to discern the season that you're in. Listen, sometimes we're on the mountaintop, man, and we're just experiencing God, and we're seeing God move, and, and God answers quickly, and God answers justly, and, and God answers in our favor, and we feel like, wow, this, is, this will never, it'll never, you know, be like this. This is the best it's ever going to be. This is awesome. We'll never go back to the old way. But then we dip into the valley because God said, I'm taking you to another mountaintop. We're going from glory to glory. But to get from glory to glory, we got to go through the desert. And so we have to learn to discern the season that we're in. Sometimes we say, man, nothing's going right. Everything is hard. Everything is work. Everything is exhausting. Nothing comes easy. That's a good indication that you're in the desert. But you know what's awesome about being in the desert? God said, I'll be there with you. And God said, I'm leading you. I'll be the cloud by day. I'll be there the fire by night. Don't be, don't be scared. Don't be terrified. Be strong and be courageous. We have to learn how to focus on the promise and, and wipe the, the problem out of our lenses. Amen? Here's a, a quick secret. When you trust God in the desert, you get to your promise quicker. Forget about, you don't need to go buy a book, you know, four easy ways to get to the promise. Seven steps to walk in God's favor. You don't need any of that. Trust God in the desert 
and you'll see the promise a lot quicker. Some of us have been running around and around and around and around and around, and of course you're exhausted. Of course you're not growing. Of course you're not, you're not you know, being energized and you're not doing things in God because, because you're, you're avoiding the problem. You're not focusing on the, the promise. Just do what God tells you to do. Walk in His authority and trust Him. And before you know it, you'll be in the promised land eating grapes that you never knew existed. Somebody say amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. If you're tired of wandering around in the desert, if you're tired of murmuring and complaining, Would you just take a couple of steps today? Would you just take a couple of steps? Say, God, I'm going forward. I'm moving forward. It's, it's time to be strong and courageous. I might be afraid, but I'm going to do it afraid. I'm going to still do it. Amen. You're ready to trust God. You've never trusted him before. Would you take a couple of steps forward? Come on. We're going to worship together for a minute before we leave. I want to invite you to come forward. I want to invite you to trust God. I want to invite you to say, you know, I'm going to accept the season that I'm in. Some of you need to accept the season that you're in and say, God, I'm going to give you thanksgiving even in this season. The only way to get out of that season is to trust God in it. And trust me, there'll be other bad seasons. There'll be other hard seasons. There'll be other people that'll discourage you, that'll disappoint you. There'll be other people that'll hurt you. But next season, you'll be stronger than you were in this season. You'll already know. Say, you know what? I'm not going to talk to the people. I'm going to talk to the rock. Because my flow comes from the rock. Come on, E, let's worship.